Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to six, homeschooling for about 24 years now. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional uh, made just, written just for moms. I am so excited today. I have a very special guest who I'm going to introduce in just a minute, but we're going to be talking today about the topic of getting our kids outside. And there can be some challenges that come with that, but I think you're going to be really encouraged um, to do just that, to make this more of a priority for lots of really good reasons that you're going to hear today. But over our many years of raising kids, uh, we have felt like uh, being outside was super important. Some of it probably stemmed from the fact that five of those eight kids were boys with lots of energy to burn and a mom who wanted them to be able to be boys and to be rowdy when necessary, but who also uh, couldn't handle all that in the house. So that was one of the motivating factors in getting our kids outside. I also wanted to teach our kids that it was absolutely fine to be restless and loud and to spar and wrestle with each other, but that most of the time it was best if it happened outside. So there was a, a teaching of, you know, manners and what's appropriate inside and outside that came along with this, um, which was actually really helpful when we went to other people's houses because they knew uh, wrestling inside was not okay. But back to our topic, I shared an image the other day that really resonated with what we're going to be talking about. It said this, encouraging a child to go outside in all weather builds resilience, but more importantly, it saves them from spending their lives merely tolerating the bad days in favor of a handful of good ones, a life of endless expectations and conditions where happiness hangs on sunshine. And of course, you guys, there are other ways to teach our kids resilience, but there's something uniquely natural and organic about learning these lessons through nature. You know, and our culture has all but removed children from nature. In the process, they have also removed them from their creator. The result is kids who are more anxious and depressed than ever. And at younger ages, we're seeing this happen all over the place. 50% of school-age kids are on prescription medications. And um, I'm not saying all medications are bad or that no child should be on them, but 50% seems like ex an extreme amount. And there's a reason that that's happening. Um, as parents, we need to get back to allowing our kids to experience what God gave us he gave to us as a gift. He gave us nature. I mean, who better than our creator would know exactly what would resonate with our senses and speak volumes without words to the deepest places of our souls. And so today, I am really excited to have Jenny Urich. Is that how I say your last name? Did I just say that wrong? Well, <laughs> it is It is Urich. Um, Urich, okay. I, I would not be the one to correct you. My children would be the one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, aren't they so great about that? Yes, but welcome, yes. Jenny. I'm so glad Thank you're you here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, well, I was, you guys have to know how this all happened because it, it's totally a God thing. So I'm sitting out on my screened-in porch and I'm, um, I'm on Facebook and, no, I'm on Instagram and somebody shared um, something. They shared one of your posts, Jenny, that's what it was, and had put a big chunk of it in their, um, in their uh, post on Instagram. And I'm reading this thing and I'm like, 
this is so good. And I go to the article and I'm reading it. I'm practically jumping up and down because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, moms need to hear this. We need to hear this. And it was just such a great article. And I'm going to share it with you later. There's other great posts on there as well, but this particular one, I'm going to pull some pieces out of it and share with you all because um, it just so resonated with me. But um, so what happened after that was I said to my husband, I've got to have this lady on my podcast. <laughs> so, so he was like, okay, you know, and um, so I went and I thought, you know, I probably should, you know, find out a little bit more about her before I have her on my podcast. <laughs> and so I reached out to Jenny and we just connected. Um, I think like right off the bat, it was so great. But For she, sure. she is a Michigan mother of five. And all your kids are under 10 years old, right? We had one that just turned 11. Okay. And so, your youngest is how old? Um, just turned three. Okay. So that's, that's, those are, they're close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so much fun though. So she's the mother of five and the founder of A Thousand Hours Outside, which is the blog that I was reading from. One of her top priorities is to inspire parents, teachers, and caregivers to invest heavily in spending time in nature with the children in their care. So this podcast is not just for homeschoolers. This is for anybody who's caring for children. Uh, Jenny is a thought leader in the world of nature-based play and her thousand hours outside movement truly spans the globe. Many people from all walks of life continue to look to her for inspiration as well as practical tips on how to put down the screens put on a good base layer or a swimsuit and get outside. She has a um, Bachelor of Science in Mathematics and a Master's Degree in Education from the University of Michigan and is also a children's book author and illustrator. She just uh, came out with um, her first little book called The Little Farmhouse in West Virginia. And um, she sent me a copy of it and it is super, super cute. So, Jenny, welcome. I am so excited to have you here. And I was just going to read the first four paragraphs from that uh, post that I mentioned, because as I said before, it so resonated with me. And I will also include a link to that post in the podcast notes. But the name of the post was Stop Stealing Time from Our Kids. That got my attention because I am all about giving kids lots of time and space to explore and experiment. I've seen this just be so important in our own kids' lives. You know, we've graduated six so far, and they all have just thanked me as adults for letting them have a childhood. And um, so that's been really a privilege to be able to have that hindsight now. But okay, so I'm going to read these four, um, uh, just these first four paragraphs because they were just so, um, so amazing. And then I'm going to let, I have a bunch of questions for Jenny. I tried to think of questions that you all would want to know when it comes to getting our kids outside. So um, she will be talking a lot more in just a minute, but can you tell I'm just a little bit excited? So, <laughs> so here's what she said. She said, I saw it happen right before my eyes. During the last year of my pre-mom life, I spent one last year in an administrative role in a public school system dealing with the math curriculum for the entire district. Prior to that, I was a high school math teacher for some years. 
our district, like every other one around it, ushered in full day kindergarten like a sweeping torrent of rain. And so I sat plump with baby number one, surrounded by teachers and administrators in several meetings to determine how this extra school time for the five-year-olds would be spent. Now, mind you, there weren't any children in the meeting. I love that line. That was so great. So now the kindergarten teachers, uh, they were unanimous and unwavering. Playtime and rest. Playtime and rest. They echoed each other and they never strayed from this message. With both physical and anecdotal reasoning, the teachers held fast to what they believed the extra time should be used for. That um, that is what the children need. They need station time and recess, and they need a little rest. But if you had to hedge your bets as to what the extra time eventually was allotted to, what would be your guess? It was not playtime nor rest, but academics. And after spending years in the public schools, I quickly learned that although there are many great things that happen within the school walls, the people who are ultimately the decision makers aren't the ones who are actually with the children. It sometimes seemed as though uh, decisions got passed down from the heavens. No one really knew where they come from. They came from. So many of the high schoolers had the same questions. Why do we have to learn this? But I really didn't have a good reason, so I just got to saying because the president says you can't be left behind. <laughs> and for high schoolers, it was a sufficient answer because they already deeply understood that much of childhood was about jumping through hoops. And um, as I read that, that was the point at which I, you know, practically jumped up and said, I have to have this, this lady on my podcast because this is what we're seeing. And there could be, there's probably mostly homeschool moms listening, but there could be some public school moms listening. And I, and I think that Jenny will be a real encouragement to you as well to be more intentional um, when your kids aren't in school to be sure that they're getting outside. So um, what I read from your post, Jenny, just gives us an idea of how you began this journey towards a thousand hours outside. But tell us what happened after that. We want to hear the hows and the whys well, of this message. You know, we, we always knew um, we were going to homeschool. After spending those years in the public school and just seeing how much time flies out the window, mm -hmm. um, we knew just because of that that we were going to be a homeschooling family uh, since then. And I'm sure like you, you know, we have a mile-long list of reasons that we homeschool. Right. And now that include biblical reasons as well. We didn't know those at the beginning, but um, we always knew we were going to homeschool. And when my kids were young, we had joined a mops group um, at our church. And one of my friends there was also going to homeschool. She was a year ahead of me. And, you know, I think that when we pray for God's wisdom, you know, in Proverbs, and it says wisdom is the principal thing. And, um, you know, God says that he will liberally give us wisdom when we ask. We don't really know where the wisdom is always going to come from. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when our kids were little, we're just praying for wisdom for our parenting journey and, and wisdom for them. And um, we had three, our first three in less than three years. So they were two and one and an infant mm -hmm. and they were all nursing. I don't even know if there's a word for that. You know, you hear about tandem, tandem. nursing. I don't know about triple nursing. So they were all nursing and they were all in diapers. And I didn't really know what to do with them. Um, I was pretty uh, depressed is such a, um, it's a big word. Right. I was overwhelmed. Um, you know, my husband 
had an hour commute. So he was gone for over 10 hours a day for work. And mm. I would get up in the morning and um, there was just too many needs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just remember um, feeling frazzled and desperate. And, and I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really know what to do with them. So I did kind of what everybody else does. And I just enrolled them in things, you know, we enrolled them in swim lessons or enrolled them in library programs. And it was so much work and effort to get them to those different places. I remember, you know, it would be 11 o'clock and I would just be toast for the day, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning. Right. right. You know what I'm thinking? I've still got, you know, seven or eight hours before my husband comes home. So um, by God's grace, this friend of mine who was in my mops group, who was also going to homeschool was one year ahead of me. And she had read some of the work of Charlotte Mason. Mm-hmm. And so she tells me, you know, Charlotte Mason says that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day, you know, whenever there's tolerable weather conditions. And I just thought that was preposterous, you know, (laughs) four to six hours, you know, everything for kids is short. Music class is 30 minutes and swim class is 45 minutes and the library program is short. And, and we have these sort of things that we do with children, uh, none of which spans um, any length of time. Um, so I, I sort of thought it was a crazy idea. I indeed thought it wasn't a crazy idea, uh, but she was a good friend of mine. And so, um, she asked if we would meet her at this park from nine in the morning until one in the afternoon to bring a picnic lunch. And then we would go home for naps. And I just thought, well, this is a ridiculous thing. What are the kids <laughs> going to do? You know, I brought a ball along, you know, I thought I got to right. bring something and then they ended up fighting over it. So <laughs> You know, future outings, I didn't bring anything. But um, what happened was we met up at this park. It wasn't a playground. It was a grassy, you know, huge grassy field and trees. And there was a creek and a um, a shallow creek bed and ducks and things. And what happened was uh, we sat on our picnic blankets with our nursing babies. And the kids ran around and they played. And they played with each other and they jumped off of stumps and they chased squirrels and they threw rocks in the creek. And, um, you know, they came and sat and we maybe read some stories and we had our lunch. And it was, I always say it was the best day of my life Mm. because it gave me hope Mm -hmm. that I could survive these early years of motherhood. And so what my friend and I did, and with some other friends, is we we looked to meet up um, two to three days a week for these four to six hour chunks of time. And what I quickly noticed was that our kids um, became very sure-footed right away. I mean, it happened really quickly, you know, that they were able to do these, um, you know, balancing things and jumping and, and, um, you know, they were just healthy looking, kind of ruddy is the word I use. Right, very, right. Very, very quickly. And um, so we did that for some years and we were not really running into other kids very rarely. You know, we would hike and we'd go to these places. We're in the metro Detroit area. It's pretty populated. So, you know, we would go to these different parks and meet at different places and there just weren't other children around. And um, a couple years in, I started to read um, books like you know, The Last Child in the Woods is one by Richard Louvre. Right. And, I just purchased that one. I can't oh, wait to read good. it. And there's a lot of them. There's one called Balanced and Barefoot by Angela Hanscom, and she's a, um, an occupational pediatric 
a pediatric occupational therapist. So she's seeing sort of the decline in, in kids' skills and um, having to help them with school readiness and things like that. Right. But all these books um, started to point to this research that backs giving kids time in nature. Mm-hmm. And we were noticing it firsthand. You know, our kids were, um, they were thriving. Mm-hmm. And so was I. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're reading this research back um, information. And that was sort of the, the start, um, the little spark to start the blog, because we weren't running into other kids. And we um, added up eventually, like, how much time are we really spending outside? And with these, you know, a couple days a week, and sometimes on the weekend, it was about 18 to 20 hours a week, which added up to around 1200 hours in a year, which is exactly the amount of time that the average American kid spends on screens. Oh my goodness. 1,200 hours a year. And that's not super catchy. So we went with 1,000 hours outside. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, it fit, it fit a little bit better, right? <laughs> than 1,200 hours outside. So, right. um, and uh, it started then and, um, you know, it's been a journey for me uh, as we have just learned it's like this endless list. It's kind of like the list about why we homeschool. Right. You just kind of keep tacking things on, right? Right. And, um, and you keep learning more. And so that's how our journey has been with the time outside is we just keep learning more that there are benefits in every area of development. And um, so people are taking this 1,000 hours outside challenge. They're doing it with their homeschool program, you know, and, and, um, and also for parents who are not homeschooling, but uh, kind of across the across the globe here. That is awesome. Being intentional intentional about getting their kids out. Yeah. And I think it's really come down to that because of all the technology and the screens. um, We can waste copious amounts and obviously they can be a blessing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like with anything in life, things things can be a blessing. But as soon as we begin to serve that thing and it's not serving the intentions that um, we believe God has put on our hearts and the purposes um, for how we're raising our kids. And um, then, then, then we need to set them aside. Um, we need to be not serving those things. They need to serve us. And I think that I mean this. This is true with you know uh, having a schedule, a family schedule. It needs to right. serve the family. And in day to day, that can look a little bit different. Sometimes we have to tweak the schedule to to serve the purposes that we believe God has for our family. Um, mm-hmm. And as He leads day by day, so everything is a tool nothing should become a master. And so I love this idea of being outside because it, it's, um, it, it is about being intentional. It's about mm-hmm. getting our kids out into nature. And so let, let's just dive right into talking about some of the benefits. I'm, I want to kind of go through because I think um, like we know it's good, but I, I don't know that we've all thought it through all the way to the end. And since you have been walking this journey for so long and you have younger children and you've, you know, you're obviously connected to a lot of people who are trying to do this with all ages of kids. Let's mm-hmm. talk about uh, first the physical benefits of being outside. Well, sure. The physical benefits are tremendous. And, and like I said earlier, you know, the list just kind of rambles. So right. I'll give a couple high ones knowing that there are many more. Um, you know, children are supposed to get between 12,000 and 15,000 steps a day. Mm. Um, it's different for girls and boys, grade school. Um, and that's equivalent to miles of movement. Wow. I mean, that, you know, that in particular would take 
hours of time. Um, and so, you know, to maintain a healthy, healthy BMI and, um, just for their optimal health. But, you know, beyond that, you know, there's all the little things that we don't think about. Like, for example, the stretching of the ligaments, you know, Mm -hmm. kids who are outside a lot, they're on uneven terrain. Right. And, um, you know, the carpet and the, the hardwood floors are, um, predictable, but when we go on these trains that are different and have dips and divots, you know, they help a child to become more coordinated for sure, but right. also help to stretch those different ligaments and, and muscles. And so kids who spend a lot of time outside are less prone to injury. And the cool thing about the outside time is that these benefits are long lasting. Right. So for example, you know, a child who is jump, who jumps, you know, they jump and they land and they jump and they land. And th- these are the things that kids do naturally. Right. You know, they jump from a log or they jump from a bluff or, or whatever. Well, every time they land, they're strengthening their bones. Mm-hmm. And so for a lifetime, they will be less prone to um, breaking a bone. And, um, That's you know, amazing. all of these things are, are, our lifelong benefits. It's very encouraging, you know, to me. It sure um, is. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I know, I know the list is pretty endless. Um, yeah. As far as uh, the physical benefits, um, there's certain things like um, even in as, a, as adults working out, they're going back to move, uh, movement as a kid. What did that look like? Because wow. that has the most um benefits physically for us. And this is these bursts of energy. They call them a HIIT workout where you're Mm -hmm. putting out bursts of energy. And so this is really cool too, is that as moms, we can get out and play tag with our kids and we will be doing the most effective workout that we could do. And we don't need Isn't a gym. Cool. To do it. Yeah, and we can do it with our kids, and that's the that's the other thing that's really awesome is just being out there together. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that in a minute. But I actually made my own little list because I thought I can think of things right off the bat that I've seen, you know, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talked about coordination. Um, there's an overcoming that happens, that they physically have to overcome obstacles. Um, yeah. There's a problem solving that has to happen. So that's actually kind of more the brain, but the, the body has to cooperate with that right. um, to, you know, get over these rocks and, um, you know, climb these things. And my kids are, you know, they, we lived on acreage for most of their growing up years. And so they had rocks to climb and mountains to climb and woods to be in. And, and they were digging trenches. And, you know, we also had a garden and we were landscaping and we built a house. And so there were all these things that we did. So much of it was outside, but this strength and the endurance. And they, um, the other thing is that as you talk about the benefits as an adult, um, when you've worked out as a child or in your teen years. It's, it's very interesting. Science proves that even if you stop working out and then you go back to it, say like in your 30s or whatever, um, your body remembers and it actually goes back into wow. shape quicker than it would wow. if you had been sedentary in your, in your childhood years. So it's really quite amazing. And, and there's the vision piece of it. Um, I've read in a couple different places that um, our kids need to be outside in order for their vision to develop properly because they need to look um, long distances and they don't do that in the house or on a right. screen. Um, right. When they get outside, they have to project, their, their vision has to project out. 
And um, so anyway, just so many things. I'm burning off that extra energy. Now, for me as a mom with five boys, that was huge. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, sure. do this math for 30 minutes, you know, depending on their age. Maybe it's only 15 or 20. Um, right. And then I could tell they're getting restless. Let's send them outside. We had a big trampoline. They jumped up and down. And I've read that as well, that jumping up and down actually sort of recalibrates their brains so that wow. they, can, they can actually start to... Uh, come, they can come back in and they can do their schoolwork that much more with a clear mind because they've yeah. bumped up and down. They actually recommend it for adults too. If you're at work, well, and, you know, you, know, and you it, can't it, think it, anymore, jump, you know, jump on a little Yeah, it, it clears out the lymphatic system. That's what it I've is. I've read in, within three minutes, it will clear out the, the lymphatic system. And so one thing that we noticed right off the bat was that our kids were not getting sick. And, yes. um, you know, we have gone an entire you know, their entire childhoods and, and not ever once needed a doctor's appointment mm. for anything. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. you know, not a, not an ear infection, not a prescription, right? you know, not so an antibiotic, nothing. Exactly. So you're talking about the lymphatic system, but also yeah. the fresh air, the exposure mm-hmm. to dirt. This is another thing that I've read is, you know, gardening when our, when our hands are in dirt. And so this would apply to kids as well. Um, just there's, there's um, something that we actually breathe in from fresh dirt that is an antidepressant, believe it or not. But, you know, doesn't this make sense, though? Like, God yeah. knows. He, he yeah. knew we would need to be connected to nature and not in the, you know, <laughs> heebie-jeebie kind of way. But I look at it as it, it all makes sense. Like, this God is a God of order. And why wouldn't he create this place for us to live that would would have uh would connect to us in such a real and deep way you know because it's his nature he created it and yeah so it makes sense that all these little details i just find those kinds of details fascinating because it just shows us what an amazing god we have and how Mm -hmm. much he loves us you know right um so let's talk about some of the educational benefits of being outside Sure. I think, you know, most people would equate learning with sitting. Mm -hmm. And I read this fabulous stat um, that said uh, elderly people who dance regularly Mm -hmm. have a 76% less chance of developing dementia. And so what we have been learning about is that complex movements grow the brain and they strengthen the brain connections. And so what children do, and they do naturally without Mm -hmm. us even having to prod them, is that they move from simpler movements to more complex movements all the way through childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, they move from, um, you know, crawling, right, to walking, right, you know, they toddle, and then they want to run, and they want to jump, and they want to spin, and they want to do the monkey bars, and then they want to ride their scooter, and then they want to bike and swim, and all the way through childhood, they are, they are developing their brains on their own, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, when I'm looking ahead toward the future, we don't know what jobs will be, that's right, and, but we want quick, adaptable brains, that's what we want, Mm -hmm. and so these complex movements, are doing just that for our kids. Wow. So wow. academically, you know, and then there's the other things like, um, you know, core strength and shoulder strength, those help with writing posture. And mm-hmm. so that's what the pediatric occupational therapists are talking about is these children who are not doing load bearing activities like hanging from monkey bars and using their upper body while well, they can't, they can't sit straight at a desk and they can't hold their pencil the correct way. And 
And so these, all these movements are really a precursor to learning. Um, they need to be there in order for children to be successful um, in the seat work as well. That's right. Well, and what I really want to hone in on there, uh, what you said is the natural way that this happens. God created our kids to develop naturally. And I think especially to develop naturally when they're outdoors. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and this is where we as parents can make, you know, homeschooling way more complicated than it needs to be. You know, I just feel like, what do our kids naturally want to do? And if we sort of like go with that, that, the rest is going to come. And yeah. so why are we fighting their, their nature? I, I get moms who are saying, you know, my five-year-old boy won't sit still. I'm like, of course he won't. He's a five-year-old boy, yes, you know? He's not supposed to. And well, exactly. I think that that is um, sort of the part of the modern parenting problem. You know, when you see these parents who are jumping for joy to send their kids back to school Mm. or, you know, they're asking for wine at three o'clock in the afternoon, I think we've forgotten the nature of children and that God made them um, a certain way so that they can take in all this information and do this important work of childhood. Um, You know, they need the sensory input and the more sensory input they have, the more they're learning. And, you know, sensory input abounds outside. It does. And it lays a really solid foundation for higher learning. Right. And that's exactly. the thing I think we don't realize is I, you know, I've, I just, I felt that in my gut as a mom. And so mm. I, I did that. I, you know, fortunately we lived out in the country. I didn't have a lot of other people looking at, you know, what I was doing or how I was doing it. And I was intentional about that too, because I thought I've got to do what God is telling me to do. And it's going to be a lot harder if I have a bunch of different people's opinions. So I just like hunkered down and, you know, said, okay, God, what is it you have for our family? And I remember the question came to my mind, if you could homeschool your kids the way that you wanted to without, you know, as long as without anybody else having an input into it, what would you want to do with them? Mm. And I use that as more of my springboard than the list of expectations or the scope and sequence chart or the, you know, your kids should know this by this age. I stayed away from that because it stressed me out. And it was like God was saying, it's stressing you out because it's not what I have for you. And I think um, it's, it's interesting because, you know, childhood has become such an assembly line. And one thing that God has been showing me over the last Um, few years is that the physical world mirrors the spiritual world. Absolutely. And so, you know, when we first started to, I tell this story a lot, but when we first started to go pick apples, you know, I was under the impression that there were red apples and green apples, you know, two different types. And so um, Michigan is a big apple producing state. And so my kids um, were really little, we would start to go to the apple orchards and and they would say, okay, well, we're picking, you know, gala apples and Johnna Golds. And I, I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea that there was this variety of apples. And every week it was a different type of apple and they looked different and the insides were different. And we would count the seeds. We'd do all these fun activities. And one day I thought, I wonder how many types of apples there are. You know, maybe there's 20, maybe mm-hmm. there's 50. So I looked it up. Turns out there's 7,500 varieties oh, of apples. Oh, my goodness. And I just thought, we have a creator um, who loves variety. Mm -hmm. And so why, why are we 
you know, um, raising our children with check boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and everyone does it the same thing at the same time. And, um, you know, that does not mirror how God made our world. That's very, very true. Now that is a truth statement right there. And I've heard, I've heard it said that, um, there are as many ways to educate as there are fingerprints. Yeah, I believe it was John Taylor Gatto who said that. And he's absolutely right on because I've seen this in my own kids. But the thing that was very interesting is that however that needed to happen for them, it could happen outside. It could happen in nature in the same setting. So I didn't have to change the setting and design all these different settings for our kids. I just kicked their little behinds outside. Right. (laughs) Every afternoon. And And, and and I went out with them sometimes too, but they had each other. I guess that was the other thing we had, you know, a lot of kids. And so they had so many adventures out there. I am, I am hearing stories now from my adult kids that I had no idea was going on out there. And some, most of it's good. Some of it's a little frightening, but um, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, because I remember being inside, you know, just trying to get a few things done while they were out there or whatever. And, you know, doing laundry and making dinner or whatever, or or doing my own project in the garden or whatever. And uh, I would get this little like urge to pray for them, like their safety. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'd be like, okay, Lord, am I supposed to call them in? Or should I, you know, just pray? And so I would pray and ask for protection. And if it was still nagging at me, I would call and check on them and see what they were doing. Um, Make sure they weren't lighting the woods on fire or something. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting because that was also practice for me to let go of them and to trust God to protect them. Because at that stage of the game, really, that's your biggest concern is, you know, you're, you know, they're pretty well protected because they're home and they're with you a lot of the time. But when they go out into the nature, there's some danger out there. And, you know, just balancing that, letting them have that danger in play. They need that. I've read about um, the benefits of allowing our kids to have some danger in play. Obviously, it's within Mm -hmm. reason, but we've got a culture of helicopter parents who are paranoid about their kids getting hurt. Okay, so what if they scrape their knee or if they fall down or, you know, they're going to learn that, you know, whatever they did, they don't want to do it that way next time. Or, (laughs) you know, there's all this, like I mentioned before, problem solving and different things. I call it, you know, lots of lessons in physics, you know, what you can and cannot do. But then boys, you know, they're always pressing those parameters and they need to do that. That is part of their nature. Mm -hmm. And I think as moms, it can be a little bit harder to do that because we don't think like guys do. And so if I could just like let them play out there and do their thing and just sort of listen for that nudge from the Holy Spirit, it, and not necessarily know every single thing they were doing, (laughs) (laughs) that was, that actually worked really well for me. But, you know, they were, they've told me these stories of the things that they've done and I'm listening to them. And now being older and down the road, I can see how it's tied in to their life as adults, how they approach things, how they problem solve, even um, where they've gone in their education, what they've chosen to do for their, um, for their work. And it's, it's been such a natural process. I guess that's what I want to get back to is there's, there's a naturalness to this, that there's an ease with it and um, something that feels really peaceful about it. If we'll let ourselves kind of connect with that and let our kids connect with it. Um, It really takes 
so much of the pressure off. I love that picture that you painted at the beginning of spending, you know, four to six hours at this place where kids could run and play and jump over streams. And, you know, I can, that resonates with me. We sort of had that on our property, but even in the summertime, we would go to the river. That was our big thing for a few hours. Not only were my kids outside at home, but we would go to this river that was more like a big creek that they could, oh my goodness, the, the adventures they had. They went crawdad hunting. They, you know, they brought half barrels, like plastic barrels, mm-hmm. and rode them down this river, you know, tr- <laughs> you know just, and just trying to keep sure. them from tipping was like all this sure. core work that they had to do, this teamwork that they had to do if there were two in one barrel, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's just, you know, as a mom who's this far down the road, it just gives me, uh, just a little more perspective, and it also just helps me recognize how important this message that you're trying to get across to parents uh, really is. Um, I, right. I don't think people realize it. Um, well, like you said about uh, John Taylor Goddard, he's one of he's one of my favorite authors, and um, I know he passed this past year, mm-hmm. um, but has been so influential, especially because he was also a public school teacher, and- right? So the things that he wrote about, I saw firsthand. And yes. He says, um, he talks about, you know, when you're, when you're discussing academics, you know, how do you raise a genius? And I know, you know, no parent really cares if their child is a genius. Right, right. Academics are very important in America. Um, you know, it's one of the top things that parents seem to talk about, uh, grades and different things. And so he says, well, how do you raise a genius? Well, who, uh, who better do you want to hear from than John Taylor Gatto, right. teacher of the year, you know, mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. he says, the way that you raise a genius is you front load experiences when a child is young. Ace. And it is about experience. It's not about necessarily sitting behind a desk. And the way that God made it was he made our natural surroundings to engage all of our senses in different ways on different days, um, you know, though, as the weather patterns change and the animals are different, you know, all we have to do is to step out the door to give our kids an abundance of real life hands-on experience. So I like to tell people that this 1,000 hours outside or, or just this being um, intentional, uh, intentional about time outside, it's about doing less but gaining more. Yes. And And that is key. Absolutely. I just love that. Doing less and gaining more. I feel like that is what God was constantly bringing me to in our homeschooling. And that just resonates with me so much. And it's because he says, right, that our, our, um, you know, our burden should be light and our yoke should be easy. And I think what we see is we see parents who are struggling and, um, you know, who are sort of at their wits end and kids are difficult. Um, But sometimes I think, well, maybe we're just going about it the wrong way. You know, we're pulling our hair out to try and get them to do A, B, C, D, and E um, when really God has provided, um, you know, right out of our door, something that will engage them and to help them learn and to grow. That's absolutely right. And um, to go back to what you mentioned about what John Taylor Gatto said, um, and it may, it may have been him that I was reading. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it was. He, when he explained that a little bit more, he was saying um, how kids aren't developmentally, like when, when, when they're at the beginning of their school years, um, we tend to give them fragmented pieces 
of a whole picture that they can't even begin to relate to. And it's all in hopes that they're going to eventually do something with that. You know, we give them all these pieces and then we say, oh, and down the road, you know, you can do this with it. But it actually needs to be reversed. Like you said, the experiences happen first. And then when that child goes and reads about something he's experienced, there's a connection that happens. Yes. And that was like, when I heard that, I was like, that makes so much sense. So in school and in, in a lot of curriculums, they're just giving them pieces of a whole and they don't even have the mind that, that's developed enough to be able to uh, make any sense of it. Well, let me, can I read you this, this Charlotte Mason quote? I was just yes. at a Charlotte Mason conference this past weekend um, talking about, you know, um, kids spending time outside. So I had a couple Charlotte Mason quotes ready. She says, um, we older people, partly because of our mature intellect, partly because of our defective education, get most of our education through the medium of words. Mm-hmm. We set the child to learn in the same way and find him dull and slow. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it is only with a few words in common use that he associates a definite meaning. All the rest are no more to him than a foreign tongue. But set him face to face with a thing, and he is 20 times as quick as you are in knowing all about it. Wow. of things flies to the mind of a child as steel fillings to a magnet. And then she goes on to say, with his knowledge of things, his vocabulary grows. It's just like what you're saying. You have to start with the hands-on. Yes. You know, with kids. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that reminds me of this, um, another piece of your, uh, of a post that I was reading um, on your website that I wanted to share. And I wanted you to explain this term that you mentioned in the post, because I think it was, it fits right in with what you're saying. You tell the story of listening to your son who had just learned to read and suddenly rattled off a bunch of information that you never taught him. And you pointed out that it was sort of like a defining moment for you. And you said this, I was astonished and I was humbled. As adults, it feels good to take credit for our kids as learning. But the thing I have learned most about learning is that it seems to happen best when it happens away from my control. Yes, kids can and do learn in a classroom environment. Yes, our world is full of incredible teachers, including parents. But the best teacher, it seems, is our own personal feedback loop. Tell us what you mean by that. Um, well, you know, I'm just astonished by a, a baby who, mm-hmm. who, who knows nothing, right. who doesn't know the day of the week and who doesn't know um, the colors and yet learns how to walk mm-hmm. and learns how to talk. And mm-hmm. so what's happening is um, the, the child is driven to the next stage of development. They know what comes next. They know to roll and Mm -hmm. they know to get up on all fours and they know to rock. And I think because those things that a baby does are so enthralling and, um, you know, they're so new and fun. We tend to forget that, um, that drive and instinct to learn and to grow, um, would continue on, uh, through lifetime. And so the personal feedback loop is, you know, the child tries and they try again and they try and they're getting feedback with each try mm-hmm. until, until mastery and then mm-hmm. they move on and mm-hmm. they move on to the next skill. I love and, that. I love what you said that, about it being intuitive. Yes. It's how That's God made key. them. Yes. Right. 
I, I would say, you know, there isn't one adult, the most brilliant adult on the face of a planet, could not design a program to teach a child how to walk better than the infant uh, figures it out on their own. Exactly. And I think it doesn't stop there. That's what we need it to doesn't. understand. I, yes, it does not. It goes on and it continues on into the elementary years. And if we allow that to continue, it's, it's like, um, well, first of all, when we allow it to continue, we don't burn them out. And what I've seen happening is um, parents, teachers burn the desire to learn out of their kids by piling things on them that are not a good fit for them. Right. You know, trying to teach them the ways that you were talking about, you know, th all through words when it just, it's meaningless to them. Right. They need experiences. And it doesn't have to be this, this super thought out, scientific, you know, it's just get outside, get in nature, ask questions, you know, explore mm -hmm. together and let them explore on their own. My kids did a lot of this on their own. And um, and it's amazing what they would come back with. And I would always ask them questions when they, whenever I saw them, you know, whether it was at the dinner table or as they came in from outside and they're washing their hands for dinner, um, I always tried to make sure that I connected with each one. So what did you do outside today? Really? What, you know, and I was just super interested and engaged in what they were doing. And you know what? The funny thing is it wasn't very long before they were teaching me things that I never knew. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? Isn't that God's way? Totally. I think it's like how he gives us another chance. He mm -hmm. gives us a chance as parents to relearn and then again as grandparents and, um, you know, about his beautiful earth. And that to me is, is such um, a beautiful part of the homeschool journey that parents um, who are not home educating are missing. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That is so true. Um, so let's talk just a little bit more about these benefits. Um, we, uh, I mentioned uh, in my notes here, I have emotional benefits to being outside. Did you have anything you wanted to share with that? For me, I, the first thing I thought of is how calming it is to be outside. Yes. And, and you know, um, we can only learn when we're in a calm state. When, that when is we're, very When true. we're stressed out, our whole body shuts down and our cells mm -hmm. shut down. We cannot take in information. And so, you know, the school environment and, and, um, with the standardized testing and the peer pressure and, um, you know, the early mornings and those sort of things, those are stressful environments for children. Mm -hmm. And even the home can be stressful, you know, if there's a yes. lot of children and there's crying and there's nursing babies. And so um, absolutely the calm environment, they say the sounds of nature and the sights of nature, even just looking at nature, um, even remembering mm -hmm. um, times in nature throughout your lifehood can bring yes. feelings of, of peace. And so then that's going to also help with the immune system and um, the flashing lights from the TV. Those are putting us in a fight or flight, you know, mm -hmm. or the flashing lights from the video games. And so, um, you know, um, emotionally kids are, are very well served to be outside and yes um and socially as well you know they are learning to create something from nothing and to mm -hmm. collaborate and to cooperate you know you talk about your kids being outside you know it's like they're they're intrinsically motivated to keep playing absolutely and so they have to they have to cooperate with each other and they have to learn um how to navigate being assertive, but not too assertive. And right. all of these things, I mean, they're good, that, that skill right there to be able to engage with other people 
and still be engaged yourself. I mean, that's a skill that would last them for a lifetime. So absolutely. Um, and it's really helping the whole child. It really, really is. And, you know, I just, I'm going to mention uh, what one of the things that our kids have told me is that they would go out and they would create their own society out yeah. in the woods, in the rocks, and they each had their own piece of property that was theirs. They had a mm -hmm. currency that they traded and used as money. Um, they each had a played a part. Like wow. uh, the, a couple of the younger ones would come in and ask for snack type things for me, graham crackers, things like that. And I would give it to them and they would bring it out and they would, they were like the store in this, in this town. And so they would sell things and the, 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 they determined, you know, as a, as a group, what the, what the currency would be. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, boundary lines. And when stuff started happening over their boundary lines, they had to negotiate with each other. Wow. And, you know, like you were talking about being able to, you know, sort of talk things out. And so all of this happened in these afternoons that they played outside day after day after day. And I just think, you know, and they revert back to that a lot as adults. They'll talk about, oh, I remember, you know, when we were kids, this, this, and this, and, it, and this, and basically they were, con they connect it to what's happening as an adult, you know, and wow. I just think, wow. And, and even just being out in nature, it reminds them of their childhood and their childhood was good. And so that brings up mm -hmm. positive feelings if they're feeling yes. Uh, stressed out. Um, even I do this as an adult. I'm 51 years old, and I remember one of the things that I do when I'm when I really want to just kind of go back and get some calm feelings, and I'm stressed out. I go back to when I was a, a little girl, and I was walking from. I could walk from the elementary school that was. This was all out in the country. Um, from the elementary school to my house, it was about a mile, but it was down all these dirt roads, and the dirt was like powder, and and they were cotton fields, and and there would be irrigation lines, and I would stop and you know feel the cold water coming out of that. You know, just all these different sensory things that. I experienced as a kid that when I sit and think and I just picture myself doing that again, gives me a place to go mm -hmm. that is yes. calming and it helps bring my emotions back down. So you're giving your kids an emotional safe place that they can go to for the rest of their lives. Yes. It's such a gift. Mm -hmm. Replay and downtime is such a yes. gift that we give our children. And I think, you know, I think that every parent wants the best for their child. And I, you know, a lot of the decisions that we make, um, you know, might be based on a little bit of fear or, you know, we just want right. to do it the right way. And so we look around and we see, well, you know, everyone else is signing up for this sport and signing up for this music class. And, you know, a little bit of it is like a follow the money trail thing. You know, the mm -hmm. trees aren't, the trees are not advertising. So, right. <laughs> you know, um, but this, this outside play is not frivolous. And I think the message is for parents that, you know, it probably in their gut, they know, you know, that they, they want their kids to play, but they just feel maybe that it is, um, you know, not a wise decision or foolish, a waste of time. Right, but, right. But it is not. It the, is not. The, the play is not frivolous and it is very important and it, it sets them up for success for their lifetime. Exactly. And then the spiritual benefits. I mean, they're out in God's creation. There's time to think and hear 
from God. I've always tried to encourage our kids to, you know, God can speak to your heart. He speaks to you through his word, definitely, but he can also speak to your heart. And I think there's a, there's something about nature that sort of, you know, it, it, it clears the voices, it quiets everything down and gives us the opportunity to hear from God and, and then to recognize him in nature, which can solidify his existence in their hearts and minds. So there's obviously spiritual benefits as well. I think that, I think the spiritual benefits are, are, um, the ones that I didn't realize, um, were so prominent at the beginning, you know, as we're, our kids are getting older, um, you know, there are so many, I think I said before, physical things that reflect, you know, the right. nature of God. And, and so I used to think about the verses in Deuteronomy where it said, you know, we should teach our, our children when we lie down and when we right. wake up and when we walk, walk by the way. And I used to think, well, that's kind of weird. You know, how can you talk about God so often? But you know, as we are spending more and more time outside, I can say, look at these morning glories. Mm-hmm. And you know what these remind me of? They're new every morning and God's mercies are new every morning. That's right. And in the morning, we can lay our requests before him and we can wait in expectation. Right. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be contrived. That's what I'm sort of learning through our time outside is that God is constantly, um, you know, showing through his creation these spiritual principles like pruning and planting a seed and and how bad trees you know cannot create good fruit and right. good trees don't create bad fruit and and so um it has opened my eyes um is to know that we can use creation to teach our children these deep um you know spiritual principles like like cast your bread upon the water and it will return to you well you know a child who plays at a river knows that if you throw anything on the water, that particular thing is not going to come back to you, but it's something is going to come maybe from another place. And so, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, just even things like that. And well, I, see, um, I love that. I love that. We just, I just did a podcast on, um, the importance of discipleship, discipling our kids. And mm-hmm. you're, that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, when you describe what you just described that that's discipleship. Yes. And it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. I just read this fabulous book by Joel Salatin, who is a farmer. It's called um, The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs. And he (laughs) says, um, we're talking about just how God created, you know, these glorious animals. And and when we respect and we learn about these animals, we're learning about the hand of God. But he says, integrating our lives with plants and animals bathes us in object lessons about responsibility, relationship, faithfulness, expectation, perseverance, diligence, and unconditional love. I love that. I'm going to, every book you've mentioned, um, I have jotted down here. So I'll put a link in the podcast notes because I would have seen that title and thought, I don't think I'm going to read that book, but now that you're you're describing it, I'm thinking what a, I need to get that book. That sounds wonderful. So yes, thank you for sharing that. Um, Okay, so we don't have a lot of time left, so I want to get down to the nuts and bolts because the moms are going, okay, this is all great. How do I make this work? So if, if a mom hasn't been in the habit of sending her kids outside, what steps can she take to move that direction? Well, you know, the first step in any of our parenting is to ask God for wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think everyone's situation is different. And 
um, you know, it's hard to come in and say, here is the way to do it. But, you know, when we recognize and we know, and we have this firm foundation that time and nature is good for every aspect of our child's development. And, and as well, it is creating these bonds and memories between our family and between um, family friends. I think it's easier to prioritize it. Yes. And so what we do is this is one of the first things we schedule in as opposed to it being um, like at the end of the line. Right. I would imagine that most families, they schedule in the activities first and then, oh, if there's a little time left over, we're going to run to the, you know, blueberry patch or, or we're going to, you know, go to the right. lake. For us, um, you know, one of our main goals is to respect that children need this time for their development. It is research-backed. They need about um, at least three hours a day of um, free play and ideally outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Younger kids need even more. And so um, we start with that as a framework. And by having a goal, it's a really simple thing. By having a goal um, and by being intentional, our kids are getting these experiences outside. And so what Mm -hmm. people say, for example, who have done this 1000 hours outside challenge is they say, I'm finding the moments I didn't even know I was missing. Mm, I love that. So I think that, I mean, really, you know, the steps, there are not a lot of steps. I think it's just about um, choosing. Right, right. That this is how we're going to use, utilize some of our time. And especially what a blessing to be a homeschool family and to have the choice um, to, you know, to choose that for kids and to give them that option and opportunity. That's exactly right. I love that. And I I think um, I was reading one of your posts where you talked about, I think you asked the question, you know, how can we get outside or whatever? And the bottom line was it, it, you have to make it a priority. You have to make it important and you have to schedule it just like you would schedule anything else in your day. And, um, and like you said, not making it the thing that's sort of optional at the end of the day, but it's actually an important part of your daily routine. Um, and I think that's another thing is, at least for me, um, when it's routine, it gets done. If it's mm-hmm. not routine, it just ends up falling off to the wayside. Um, right. So how do we handle it now? Uh, there are, like I said, parents who haven't been doing this. Maybe they want to start doing it, but their kids are resisting. Um, how would you... We have any ideas? No, I just, it's funny because I just posted an article. Should we force should we force kids to go yes, outside? Yes. And the answer is absolutely we should. I mean, mm-hmm. just like how we force kids to eat healthy or we force yes. kids, you know, to, to maintain a, a, a proper bedtime. Um, so, you know, I, I believe that kids intrinsically want to go outside. And if we take them to the right places, you know, a place with water, a place that's shady in the summer, um, you know, and especially if we invite along some friends or some cousins, I mean, they are going to want to play. I think we also have to give it time. I read recently that it can take up to 45 minutes for a child to sort of develop their play idea, their play scheme. So like you're talking about your kids in the woods, you know, and they come up with their play scheme. Well, it takes a little bit and 45 minutes is a bit. You know, usually kids activities are 30 minutes. And so we go and we say, oh, they're complaining or they're not having a good time. And so we pack up and leave. But it takes a little time to sort of um, to get their groove. And, you know, I think we just have to we have to be okay with it. And we have Mm -hmm. to have just simple answers. If they say they're bored, then I say, that's okay. You'll figure it out. Yes. Um, I love love that. That's exactly what I would say. That's so funny. And I love the uh, that whole idea that you're not 
changing their activity. You're right. We change activities too quickly, too soon. And our kids um, end up with no attention span and right. no attention span and then no ability to really dig inside of themselves for creativity to right. figure to figure it out, like you said. And I love that, that vote of confidence. <laughs> That works. It actually works really well because basically yeah. it's saying we're not changing anything, so figure right. it out. <laughs> sure. I love you that. You know, I think there, you know, you can start with a hike and, mm -hmm, you know, sure. a hike has a, a beginning and an ending. Those are good right. initial activities to do for families right, who right. Um, haven't spent a lot of time outside. But, you know, to my very original story, I thought it was a preposterous idea from the very beginning. And all I had to do was do it one time and it changed right. my life. Wow. It changed, I mean, it changed the entire trajectory of our entire family. Yeah. Here I am talking to you. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, this one day, this one idea, you know, from an educator, you know, from the 1900s, right. you know, has changed our entire, our entire life and, and through yeah. a friend and through God's grace. Right. You know, is what I say to you. Absolutely. And I really feel like this podcast today is going to be God's grace in some mom's lives. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping and praying for. Yeah. Um, so... Let's talk about people who live in the city. You know, maybe they have a small yard or no yard. Their kids run out of things to do. Um, I know you mentioned hiking. Um, any other You know, what we found, and we've lived in a couple homes, we have found that the more populous the area, the more um, parks and playgrounds there tend to be because the tax base is bigger. And so, you know... Um, there are things like, you know, on every other corner, there's little playgrounds in different places. And right. When we've moved actually further out into the country, surprisingly, there's less. Mm. And so, um, you know, there's nature wherever you are. Right. Uh, sometimes you have to drive a little bit, but, but it's there. And so we use um, like the city and county websites, the parks and rec department, you know, we'll list all the parks in the area. Um, we use Google maps. So mm -hmm. if you just type in park or beach or playground, you know, it's going to come up with everything that's near you. Um, with ratings and those those sort of things, and and we eavesdrop, you know, right? We, sure. We, you know, we hear people talking about going here or there, and we ask, and um, you know, and you can bring nature inside. You know, you can raise um, monarch monarch caterpillars, and right. Um, you know, bring in plants and different things, and yeah, yeah. So and even think, if you have like a little deck, you can do um, yeah, you know, just potted, you know, little gardens in in that are in. What am I, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, just little, yeah, you know, like, you like can a rent, container garden. Yeah, container garden. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's what I was looking for. Um, but yeah, things like that can really, um, can really make a difference too. And I think just yeah. being creative, like you said, praying about it first, because God yeah. can open our eyes to the things that we weren't seeing before and, and making it a priority. Again, that will help open our eyes and our ears to what's available out there in our areas. Um, yep. So last question about, um, let's just say you've got, when your kids get older, I did find it a little more difficult to get my kids outside when they got into the teen years. They're, they're not so much about playing anymore. Um, so how can we encourage them to keep this habit and see the importance in it? Well, it's an interesting question. I had uh, read that because you had, you had emailed it to me. Mm -hmm. um, we are actually on vacation this week. We're at Lake Michigan. Um, and uh, so I came up from the beach here to, to talk with you. And um, I was down at the beach and there were 
you know, I mean, we'd been at this beach with like six week olds, like when our kids were six weeks old and they were, um, you know, kids of every single age at the beach. I mean, boys with hairy armpits, you right, know, and, right. <laughs> and grand and grandparents and, and grade schoolers and the boys have their skim boards and they're, right. and they're going across the water. And I think, you know, it's, when we talk about honoring kids and sort of respecting the way that God made them, you know, I think by the time they reach around the ages of seven or eight, they start to develop some distinct interests um, mm-hmm. surrounding nature. So mm-hmm. I'll give a quick example. Um, my daughter is nine. She's really interested in fishing and she's really interested in farming. And so in praying for experience for her and in praying for wisdom about her education, we were able to hook up with a brand new local farm and they let her come every Wednesday and she does farm school there. Mm. And she gets to help harvest all the vegetables and, um, you know, help them with their farm work. And it is, we all go, you know, so everybody gets the experience, but, um, you know, she just adores it and, and, you know, and she likes to fish. And so we bought her fishing poles and our, our, we have an eight year old who's really interested in geology. So lo and behold, we joined a geology club who even knew those existed. And, (laughs) you know, it cost $15 for the whole family for the whole year. And we go once a month and he has started his own business from that. He makes jewelry and, um, you know, he's talking to, you know, senior citizens and, and right. all these discussions and, right. and God is providing. And so, you know, we talked at the beginning, it's like, we think, well, once a kid starts to walk or, you know, that these milestones have stopped, but they have not stopped. No. And God has given each of our children an individual bent and these individual interests and, um, he will give us wisdom on how to source them. And so, you know, whether it's skateboarding or ripsticks or, right. you know, right. or, um, or rock climbing there, you know, those interests, um, show, and then it is a, it is a little bit more work to, um, to provide for them those things. Um, but they, but they always emerge and God always provides a path, um, to help them with their individual with their individual bent. So yeah, that's uh, absolutely right. I know I can uh, test because our, our kids grew up being outside when we, you know, as teenagers, um, they just did different things outside a lot of times, you know, um, and like we would, like you said, it changes. We would go to the lake, they'd bring their skin boards. Yeah. And you're right. Sometimes it meant we had to actually go somewhere. They didn't really want to go outside in the yard or in the the woods where we were necessarily, unless they had some sort of project going on. But, um, but yeah, getting in the car and going to the lake or the river or whatever, um, they were all right. about that, you know? So yeah, yeah it's, see kids. I mean, even that first, our very first place where we were at, where the kids played in the Creek, um, you know, there was a time when we were there and there was a bunch of, I asked the kids how old they were. They were 12 and they were running through the Creek bed and they had these really cool gloves on and these nets and they were catching crawfish for dinner. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this distinct, distinct thought Oh, this is gonna like last me for a long time. You know, right, I mean, right, right. my kids were like my kids were like three and under, you know? Right. So um it's it's just about sourcing. And I it think is. really that's all homeschooling is about. It's about sourcing our children um, you know, to help them with their God given gifts and 
um, what a blessing that we get absolutely. to do absolutely and and I think this whole concept of being outside is just such a blessing and I think as moms and as mm-hmm. homeschooling parents as parents we need to really utilize that it's a gift it's a gift from mm-hmm. God and this natural desire to learn and this natural curiosity that our kids have and this natural mm-hmm. way that they go through their little their developmental stages which are vast and varied and this is the cool thing is when they're outside they can do it in their way, you know, I guess exactly. that's, that's one thing that I noticed is that I didn't, like you said, we didn't have to custom design nature for each child. It already is designed for each child yeah. and they adapt accordingly and they find their, their way in that process. Mm-hmm. And it's really a beautiful thing to watch if we can just relax and receive right. that gift and understand that it's there from God for us. And, you know, I have enjoyed my kids so much. And a big part of that enjoyment was being outside and just watching them. Yes. You know, that to me has been, I learned a lot about them by watching them play and interact with each other and the things that they were interested in doing. And I'm now doing this with our grandkids. And of course, you know, this far down the road, I can really see how much is going on when they're outside playing in nature. I was just watching our grandkids several weeks ago. I was sitting outside watching them. They had nothing to play with. They had a red ball that they hardly touched. What they wanted to do was to be in the bushes and jumping in and out of a trench and how they got in and out of it was different for each of them. And, And it sort of revealed something about them. You know, some were more timid and would be Mm -hmm. real careful, like crawling down into the hole versus the one who just jumped straight in, you know. So you're you're learning all these different things about them just by observing. And I'm always encouraging parents to be a, a student of your children and being outside with them is one of the best ways to do that because it's just so such a natural environment for them. Um, one of the, I'm sure you've heard of John Holt and um, mm-hmm. I, I'm especially appreciative of his earlier writings, not necessarily his later ones, but his earlier ones where he talks about, um, uh, you know, just how kids are always learning. He had an interesting approach, and I, and I feel like I had this sort of as a parent, where he would watch children and observe them in their natural habitat, in their natural environment, because he said that was the most accurate view of who they were. He did not watch them in a classroom or wow. in a school setting because he said they're, they don't respond in a natural way in those settings. And how much does that say right there? Yes. Isn't that crazy? So um, again, another huge support of, you know, getting our kids outside. But there's a, um, there's a since we're wrapping up, this John Holt quote, this is my favorite of his. He says, uh, living is learning. And when children are living fully and energetically and hap- happily, they are learning a lot even mm. if we don't always know what it is. That's and right. that to me is the key. I think we're so concerned about checking those boxes and knowing what they learned. Um, and we're missing that all along the way they're learning. Absolutely. And, and we know, just need to get out of the way. Yes. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And let, and give them an opportunity to live happily and energetically and fully. And we're providing that environment for them and they're going to thrive. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, 
Um, I am so thankful that you were here today. I love this conversation. It's been such a joy to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I want the moms to know that you're going to be speaking at all seven of the great homeschool conventions in 2020. So if you want to go and listen to Jenny live and in person or ask her questions, she will be in those places. And of course, she's taking her family with her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we'll be at the the Inch Conference, which is the Michigan Christian Homeschool Network Conference. That's every year in May. In May. um, Which is a great conference as well. Awesome. To see you there too. Yeah, I'm hoping too. That would yeah. be that would be so great. And um, we're going to put a link in for her children's book, um, and then also, of course, to her ways you can connect with her on um, Facebook and through her blog. I would really encourage you to go and check out her website um, that has you know, all the blog posts on it and just lots of great information, encouraging ways to get. Um, to get our kids outside. Um, I noticed you had like an outdoor guide. Can you tell me what that is? We have tried to make a couple different outdoor family guides for mm-hmm. some different places that we've gone. For example, Orlando. Mm-hmm. You know, there is... Um, there are so many things to do in the Orlando area that are free or nearly free and are not Disney. And, um, you know, so we try and escape the Michigan winter here and there, um, but don't want to pay a thousand dollars a day to go to Disney World. So, um, you know, there are all sorts of things. So we have a couple of them up and intend to do more, but currently have um, a family guide for Asheville, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and um, all the waterfalls there. That's a great place. And one for, Orlando, and then one for um, like the Michigan State Parks. So but just that, uh, places where I, sometimes we're just missing the information. Where can sure, I go? Sure. Where can I take all my Absolutely. kids? Absolutely. And you can always get online and, and Google this, you know, free, mm-hmm. p- free outdoor activities for kids in this area or that area. Yeah, and absolutely. so wherever you are. So um, that's great, great advice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for being here. I want to just close with um, a word of prayer. And um, again, I'm so glad you were here. (laughs) Lord, thank you so much for Jenny. Thank you for her willingness to listen to your voice and your promptings all those years ago, even when it sounded ridiculous. Um, Thank you for changing the trajectory of her family and their homeschooling and the direction that they have taken with their family. And now um, you're using this um, in just sort of a ripple effect. And Lord, we thank you that she was here today to share her heart and her experience and her story with us. Lord, I pray that moms listening would be inspired and encouraged and really begin to catch a vision for um, just getting their kids out in nature and getting themselves out in nature. And Lord, I pray that you would show them how it will work best for their families and help them to um, not just think about this for a day, Lord, but for that this would be a defining moment for their family like it was for Jenny all those years ago. I just pray that the trajectory of their family's life would change as well as they begin to spend more time out in nature, um, allowing you to grow uh, healthy kids and healthy families, Mm -hmm. Lord. We just thank you so much that you have a good plan for us, Lord. Um, Thank you for loving us and thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.